You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to another episode of the How to Win podcast. These podcast series are based off 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph. We win. Come on, say that. Let's, let's start the, the podcast off confessing the word. We win in Christ. And listen at this. We win all the time. That's the good news of the gospel for us that are in Christ Jesus. Now, we're talking about best days ahead. Best days ahead. Though your beginning was small, the Bible says, your latter end shall greatly increase. This is episode four. Our theme on this series on hope is hope. H-O-P-E. We're talking about hope. In episode one, we wanted to share with you that regardless to what's happening in your life today, right now, in the present, you have a bright future. Episode two, we said that time is a terrible thing to waste. And then in episode three, we dealt with hope and anchor of the soul, part one, and we talked about suicide. Keep your hand on that. Make sure you you hold on to that message because it will be a great message to help you minister to others who may be thinking about suicide. So we're talking about hope and anchor of the soul, and this is part two. Now, I was asked a question, it was a feedback question recently, about end times. And the question was, is, are we in the end times? And I believe we're in the end times. But you you have to understand, end times from uh, our perspective can be a long period of time, but I do believe that we're in the beginnings of end times. I was also asked whether someone suggested that things are are so different now that we're nearing the rapture, and someone even suggested that the rapture is going to come this year. And I said this, I don't believe the rapture is going to come this year for a couple of reasons. The Bible says that when Jesus come back, he's going to come back for a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle. That's in Ephesians chapter 5. And then in Matthew chapter 4, it says, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all of the nations, and then the end shall come. So we got some work to do on the body of Christ in terms of perfecting the body of Christ, but we also have much work to do in getting the gospel out to the whole world, the nations of the world, because there are people in the world that have never heard the name Jesus. So you can kind of relax. The rapture is not going to take place uh, this year. But Luke chapter 21 has some interesting things to say to us. And I believe that there are some things that are happening that may be uh, the symptoms 
of the, the end times. Listen what it says in Luke 21, verse 25 through 26. It says, and there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars upon earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear, and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. That's Luke chapter 21, verses 25 through 26 in the authorized King James Version. The same text in the contemporary English version of the Bible, Luke 21, 25 through 26 says, strange things will happen in the sun, moon, and stars. The nations of the earth will be afraid of the roaring sea and tides, and they won't know what to do. People will be so frightened that they will faint because of what is happening in the world. Every power in the sky will be shaken. Now, when you look at the, this text in both the authorized King James Version and the contemporary English Version, we see some interesting things, things that are transpiring in our world today. It talks about convulsions in nature. In other words, strange things happening in nature. And some people are talking a lot about climate change and about uh, the situations in nature. Think about it. Just recently, we had two hurricanes follow each other in the Gulf at the basically same area. That was strange. That was a strange occurrence uh, of nature to come right behind each other within days to hit the same area. And then there's a, a massive fire taking place that has actually, actually engulfed or embraced three different states. Washington, California, and Oregon is, is devastated a large area of region, and even in those areas they have uh, a fire season, this is unprecedented what is taking place. So we see in nature some strange things that are happening. In our text, it talks about stress. In other words, being pulled or, pulled or pushed beyond one's limits. It talks about distress, a very difficult situation in which one doesn't have enough money or food, etc. Sound like some the things we're experiencing now. It talked the text talked about perplexity, people not knowing what to do. Hurricanes, it talked about tidal waves, it talked about heart attacks, people hearts fainting. And the word faint literally means the loss of breath, in other words, death. So when we see this text, we can see a lot of things that are happening in our world that are consistent with what's happening in the world today. 
in the 28th verse, that's Luke chapter 21, verse 28, in the contemporary English version, it says, when all this starts happening, stand up straight, be brave, you will soon be set free. Notice it says, when all this starts happening, we're to stand up straight and be brave, you will soon be set free. In the message Bible, the 28th verse, Luke 21 says, when all this start happening, up on your feet, stand tall with your head high, help is on the way. Now, I love, I love what the scriptures is saying to us because I see a lot of hope in what the word is saying, not just about the end times, but also about the now times, the times that you and I are living in. The scripture says that we're to stand up straight, no matter what you're dealing with, stand up straight, be brave, you will soon be set free. I believe that's a rhema word for somebody. It says, stand up on your feet, stand tall with your heads high, help is on the way. I believe that is a rhema word for somebody. We're living in a world full of turmoil. We're living in a world of all kinds of changes, a world full of uncertainty, and people are governed by fear. We're living in a world of hopelessness where even Christians are struggling, even Christians are struggling uh, with doubt. But I believe the Spirit of God wants to say to you today that your best days, your best days are ahead. Come on, say my best days are ahead. An anchor of the soul. I got this te- this subject from Hebrews chapter six, verse nineteen. It says, "This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls." Hebrews six nineteen. There are two spheres of existence in life. There's hope. And there's hopelessness. You either today, right now, operate in hope or you operate in hopelessness. Now, hope is the expectation of good and a happy life ahead. Hopelessness is having no expectation of happiness no expectation that things will improve or get better, and no expectation of a new and better life ahead. And in our last episode, episode three, I said that the ultimate expression and manifestation of hopelessness is suicide. And we're not going to go there. I said we are not going to go there. Now, there are two kinds of hope today. Let's talk about natural hope, and then let's talk about supernatural hope. And I want you to, I want you to 
apply what I'm teaching to your situation today, whether it's spiritual or mental, whether it's emotional, whether it's social or relationship, maybe it seems hopeless that you'll ever get married or hopeless that you'll ever own anything or hopeless that you ever get out of debt. Uh, whatever your situation, I want you to think about it. There are two kinds of hope. There's natural hope, and then there's supernatural hope. Romans chapter 4, verse 18, listen what it says about Abraham. It says, there was no hope that Abraham would have children, but Abraham believed God and continued hoping. And so he, began, he became the father of many nations, as God told him, your descendants also will be too many to count. That's Romans chapter 4, verse 18. It says that when there was no hope of Abraham having children, but Abraham believed God and he kept on hoping, and so he became the father of many nations. Now, let's talk about hope, because sometimes we put hope down, and we elevate faith, but they work together. Hope is a goal setter. Hope gives your faith something to bring to pass. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, now faith is the substance of things hope for. It is, it is, uh, it, your faith gives manifestation to your hopes. Now, it wasn't just Abraham's faith that brought him through to the manifestation of the promise. The Bible says, it talks about him not being weak in faith, but the Bible also talks about the fact that he kept hoping. So it was his hope for the child. It was the goal, the, the, the set goal of a child that gave his faith something to connect to and something to bring to pass. So you see, Satan fights us hard to get over into the realm of hopelessness because when we get into the realm of hopelessness, our faith has nothing to bring to pass. So there's natural hope and there's supernatural hope. When we look at Abraham and Sarah's life, there was a, a time in their marriage when they had hope. They were young, they were energetic, they were viral, they were healthy, they were financially stable, and they both desired children. So all natural hope was, was there. But there came a time when they were at a point 24 years after the promise was given. 24 years after the promise was given. Abraham is 99 and Sarah is 89. And notice here, the doctors and medical science said no way. Come on, say no way. 
the doctors and medical science said to them, there's no way that you're going to have children. There's no way. Pregnancy test, when they took the pregnancy test, the pregnancy test said, no way. There's no way you're going to give birth to children. When they looked in the mirror and they considered their own bodies and looked at their own bodies, their bodies and the mirror said, no way. That's why the Bible says they consider not their bodies. When people close to them talked about it and they shared their dream, and you have to be very careful who you share your dream with. When they began to share their dream with others, family members, friends, church members, they all said, no way. Now listen to what the text says. It says, when Abraham had no natural grounds for hope, when Abraham had no natural grounds for hope. Maybe that's where you are right now. Maybe, just maybe, you wanted a, ch a child, but you've had a miscarriage, and it seemed like you're never going to have children. Maybe you're not married, and it just seems like you're never going to have a family. Or maybe you've gone through bankruptcy, maybe you've gone through a divorce, and it just seems like there's no natural grounds for hope. Now, listen to what it said about Abraham. It says, when Abraham had no natural grounds for hope, he was sustained by God's supernatural hope. He was sustained by God's supernatural hope. Now, I've been there. I've been there. There was a time when my marriage, Pete and I recently celebrated our 42nd anniversary, and that is amazing to me because it just doesn't seem like it's been 42 years. But I remember early in our marriage, we always loved each other. We just didn't know how to be mad. We didn't know how to. And it looked hopeless. It looked like we were never going to be happy. It looked like we were never going to have a strong relationship. It looked like we were not going to make it. But on this side of it, on this side of it, I am extremely happy. She's extremely happy. We have a wonderful marriage. She's my very best friend. But there were times when it looked like all natural hope was lost. There was no grounds for natural hope. I think about ministry. It felt the same way in ministry. It felt like we would never grow. It felt like we would never succeed. It felt like, felt like we were always going to be a failure. All natural grounds for hope was lost. There were no people in the seats. There was no people coming to the church. There was nobody wanting to hear what I had to say, just a handful of people. So it seemed like that it would never get off the ground. When Abraham had no natural grounds for hope, 
He was sustained by supernatural hope. Now, every believer, now this is the part of the good news. Every believer has been given, whether you realize it or not, you have been given supernatural hope. And Hebrews 6, 19 says that this hope is an anchor of our souls. Supernatural hope. Come on, say supernatural hope. Come on, say, I got supernatural hope. Come on, declare your mouth. Look at your circumstances and say to your circumstances, I have supernatural hope. Come on, say it. I have supernatural hope. Look at your circumstances. Say to your circumstances, I have supernatural hope. Believers who believe God's word are never, you want to make a note of this, believers who believe God's word are never in a hopeless situation. You say, well, how can you say that, Mike? How in the world can you say that I'm not in a hopeless situation? Well, if you're a Christian, you're not in a hopeless situation. If you're a believer, you're not in a hopeless situation. Ephesians 2.12 says, in those days, you were living apart from Christ." You lived in this world without God and without hope. You see, the Bible says, Ephesians 2.12, that when you were without Christ, you were without God, and you were without hope in the world. The moment you received Jesus Christ, you received God, and the moment you received God, you enter into a space of hope. In other words, you have supernatural hope. It's supernatural. There's no reason why you should have it. There was no reason why I would have it. You know, there were times early in my ministry, I would preach to just a handful of people, but that anointing seemed so strong on me, and I just felt like, Everyone needed to hear what I was saying. I just felt like that. I just had it in my spirit. And maybe you feel like that, Pastor. You feel like others just need to hear it. And I would leave church, and I'd be crying like a baby on the way home, crying like a baby because no one seemed, it seemed as though no one wanted to hear what I had. Our tears would be lapping down my face. There were times I would lie in bed and tears would be running down my, my face because it just seemed like life was just against me. Supernatural hope is an anchor of the soul, an anchor of the soul. I was given a, a, uh, a gift, and something happened to the gift. I dropped it, and it's, it, it's, uh, it's an anchor. And if you can see that, it, it's, it's an anchor. And it reads, we have this hope, an anchor of the soul, firm and secure, Hebrews 6, 19. That's what an anchor looks like, an anchor. So what is an anchor? An anchor belongs to a ship or a boat. It is a heavy chunk of iron, often in the shape of a double hook, which is cast overboard into the bottom of a bottom of water, 
where it, the hook, fastened itself to the ground or any solid material to keep the vessel in a stable position. Now listen at this. Why is an anchor so important? Without an anchor, the ship would drift off the sea. Without an anchor, the ship would be blown into rocks and sandbars. Without an anchor, the ship would run aground into the shore. So a supernatural hope, the supernatural hope that you have today, I don't care what you're dealing with, better days are ahead of you. Listen at me. There are two things your hope will do for you. This supernatural hope will hold your mind in place. It's an anchor of the soul. It will hold your mind in place. Without hope, people have nervous breakdowns. Without hope, people give in to destructive habits. Without hope, people commit suicide. Now, I want you to begin to confess the word. I want you to say it out of your mouth. I have supernatural hope. I have it. I want you to say it even in dire situations, even when it seems hopeless. I want you to say with your mouth, I have supernatural hope. The second thing supernatural hope will do for you, it will hold your God-given dreams in place. It'll hold your dreams in place. You know, uh, I talked about the times many years, and it was, it, you know, our church did not start growing. It was 16 years before our church started growing. A lot of people don't realize that. Can you imagine that? 16 years. I remember the time we had two people to join our church the whole year. We, we had a year one time, one person joined the church the whole year. Think about that. The whole year, I would give an invitation and nobody lift their hands. Nobody lift their hands. 16 years. Now listen at this. There were times when I would go home, I preached, I did the best I could. I prayed, was trying to live right, did the best I could. I, go, I would go home crying. I would get in bed and I, I would say, I'm through with this. I'm, I, I'm just through. I can't go any further. You can have this, God. I'm through with this. I'm throwing my hands up. I went to sleep feeling hopeless. And the next morning, I cannot explain it, but the next morning, I had the energy to go on. I had the strength to go on. For whatever reason, things had not changed. Nothing had changed. But somehow the next day, I could go on. Now, some of you, that's what's happening to you. It seems real hopeless. But for some reason, you have the energy, the strength, the will to go on. That's supernatural hope. That supernatural hope was holding my dreams in place when no one was coming to the church, when, when no one was answering the invitation, when no one was asking me to preach, when, when no one wanted me to be their pastor, when I said no one, just a, a small group of people. Listen, that supernatural hope 
kept my dream in place. Just like the anchor keeps the ship, ship from drifting off. It, you ever been on a cruise ship? Maybe you have, maybe you have not, but they throw an anchor over, and even though that ship is large, it keeps that ship from drifting away, and that's what that supernatural hope. It, it keeps your, your mind in place, but it also keeps your dreams in place. I want to I wanna give you some keys, I think, to, to, to what the Scripture says, laying hold on the hope set before. The Bible says in Hebrews 16, to lay hold of the hope. Lay hold of the hope. Now, I'll give you some keys that I think will help you. And I want you to make a mental note, and you can go back later and write these down. First, think about God's faithfulness to others. Think about God's faithfulness to others. Now, the Bible says in Romans 15, 14, it says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. We through patience... And the comfort of the scriptures, the comfort of the scriptures might have hope. That's one thing that I did. I never left the word. Even when things were not working, I still meditated it. I still listened to it. I still made confessions. Even when things were not working, the Bible says, through faith, through patience and comfort of the scriptures, we'll have hope. So when I went to the scriptures, and if you keep going to the scriptures, don't run from the Bible. Don't run from God. Don't run from church. Run to it when you're having trouble. Run to the scriptures. Run to the word when you're having problems in your life. Listen to it. Even when maybe you don't want to turn, you don't want to study it, listen to it. Put it in your ears. Listen to it because you're going to hear about how God delivered other people. You're going to start thinking about how, how God delivered Joseph and how God delivered David and how God... Think about God's faithfulness to others. And that's why testimonies are so important. Think about the testimonies of others. It'll create hope on the inside of you. And that's why when God does something really great in your life, it's important for you to share it. Give your testimony because it will create hope in other folks. So number one, think about God's faithfulness into others. And you do that two ways, going to the scriptures and listening to others' testimony. Go into the scriptures and you'll think about and listen to the testimonies of others. You'll think about the faithfulness of God to others. The second key to laying hold and stirring up that hope is to remind yourself of the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. Remind yourself of the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. Romans 15, 13 in the King James Version says, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing 
that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. You will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Right in the middle of what appears to be hopeless situations, I want you to start saying with your mouth, the Holy Spirit is on the inside of me. The Holy Spirit is energizing me. The Holy Spirit is with me. I'm not by myself. The Holy Spirit is helping me. Remind yourself of the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. And if you invited Jesus in your life, he's on the inside of you. Number three, meditate on God's past faithfulness to you. Meditate on God's past faithfulness to you. Remember uh, 1 Samuel 17, 37, when when David was facing the, the lion, he told Saul, God delivered me from the lion and God delivered me from the bear and he'll deliver me from this uncircumcised Philistine. Now, every person, every one of you, listen to me right now. You've had God to be faithful to you in the past. There's something in your life. It may have been spiritual. There was a habit or addiction, or maybe you were in the world and God took you out of that. Remember how you did drugs, but you don't do drugs anymore. Remember how you did this, but God delivered you. Think about something that God has done for you in the past. Think about God's past faithfulness in your life. And I promise you, if you think spiritually or mentally, emotionally, or socially, or financially, in some kind of way, God has been faithful to you in the past. So right now, you may be consumed with what's going on in your life right now, but I want you to take a, I want you to take a moment to pause. Pause. For just a second, put what's going on in your life on the shelf. Just, just a second. Just a second. You can pick it back up, but just a second. And I want you to clear your thinking right now for a minute. And I want you to think about God's past faithfulness to you. What has he done for you in the past? If you will focus on that, it'll generate and stir up the hope that's on the inside of you because the same God that delivered you from drugs, the same God that delivered you in the hospital, and maybe you got shot or maybe you had an illness or whatever it is, or maybe you went through a tough divorce and God brought you through that. Think about what God has done for you in your past. It'll stir up hope. Remember, number four, remember two things that cannot change. Two things that cannot change. According to Hebrews 6, 18, two things. The first thing that cannot change is God cannot lie. God cannot lie. The second thing that cannot change is God cannot lie when he makes an oath. Number one, God cannot lie when he makes a promise. And then God cannot lie when he makes an oath. 
The Bible says that when God made a promise to Abraham that he was going to have a son or have a child, he not only made a promise, but he also made an oath. Whenever you made, make an oath, you swear by someone greater than you. I swear by God. I swear that I'm telling the truth. Well, when God made the promise to Abraham, he also swore that he was telling the truth. But since there was no one greater than God, the Bible says he swore by himself. So God gave him Abraham two things. He gave him a promise, and then he swore by his promise. And the Bible says that God cannot lie. And then finally, understand that God's supernatural hope is fastened to Jesus. God's supernatural hope is fastened to Jesus. I'm going to read this text and, 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 and hold on with me now. I want to read this text and then I want, to cha I want to challenge you to pray about something that God has put on my heart. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13 through 20, I want to read it from the New Century Version. That's Hebrews chapter 6, verses 13 through 20. Now listen to the text. It says, and God made a promise to Abraham, and there is no one greater than God. He used himself when he swore to Abraham, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. Abraham waited patiently for this to happen, and he received what God promised People always use the name of someone greater than themselves when they swear. The oath proves that what they say is true. And this ends all arguing. God wanted to prove that his promise was true to those who would get what he promised, and he wanted them to understand clearly that his purposes never change. So he made an oath. These two things cannot change. God cannot lie when he makes a promise, and he cannot, and he cannot lie when he makes a promise, and he cannot lie when he makes an oath. These two things encourage us who come to God for safety. They give us strength to hold on to the hope we've been given. We have this hope, an anchor of the soul, sure and strong. It enters behind the curtain in the most holy place in heaven where Jesus has gone ahead of us and for us. He has become the high priest forever, a priest like Melchizedek. Now, I said that the fifth thing to hold, laying hold of the hope and stirring it up is to understand that this supernatural hope is fastened to Jesus. Now, I show you, uh, I show you a, a natural anchor, and this anchor is tossed off the ship and it goes to the bottom and connects to a rock or ground and hold the ship in place. 
Now, listen at this. This souvenir that was given to me, I dropped it. And when I dropped it, the anchor fell off. Sometimes a natural anchor will break or slip off. But think about it. We're not talking about a natural anchor. We're talking about supernatural. Hope is an anchor. A natural anchor can break. It can slip. And a natural anchor, it goes down. You throw it off the ship, and it goes down. But this supernatural hope that we have in Jesus is sure, is steadfast, it goes up. Natural anchors go down. Supernatural anchors goes up. And the Bible says it goes behind the curtain. That's the heavenly, holy of holies in heaven where Jesus is. And this natural hope is connected to Jesus. So it is sure, it is steadfast, and it will never, never break. Listen to me. Your best days are ahead of you. Now, I want to I ask you to pray about something that God put on my heart. Um, I, taught a, I taught a series recently uh, entitled Muted Voice, Muted Voice. Uh, we concluded the series on Facebook. And um, now it's uh, running on the Word Network uh, on Saturday nights, 10.30 Central Standard Time. And it's also running on ABC 3340 in Birmingham at 12 uh, p.m. Uh, Central Standard Time uh, in Birmingham at 12 p.m. on Sundays. So we're still running the series. We're preparing it uh, to, we're working on a small group uh, uh, thing for it. And, and I also am working on a book called Muted Voice. So, so we're really working on it. I wanted to ask you to pray about something. Uh, I said during that series that the Spirit of God, because the church has had a muted voice, has gone outside of the church, and some amazing things began to happen in major institutions uh, in America, major things. But Satan is the master of distraction, so... As a distraction, we're having riots and looting and infightings. Um, a lot of things are going on now, and the discussion has shifted from injustice and equality to the riots and, and the war on and law and order and all these different things. I believe that what's happening now is a distraction to what God was and is doing as it relates to injustice and inequality. But the Spirit of God said something to me recently that I wanted to share with you that I think is very important for the body of Christ. 
I heard these words um, August the 25th. I think it's Tuesday, August the 25th. I heard these words, race war, race war. Now, when the Spirit of God speaks to me, he gives me what uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 calls words of wisdoms. Words of wisdom in Scripture is supernatural manifestations of the Holy Spirit in the believer, whereby the Spirit of God shows the believer things to come. So the word of wisdom operates in my life, and, and there are times when the Spirit of God will show me some things that's going to take place. When the Holy Spirit shows me these things that are going to take place, words of wisdom, supernatural revelation of things to come, uh, sometimes these words of wisdoms are things that God wants us to know so that we can be prepared for them. Um, and then sometimes these revelations about things to come are shown to us so that we can pray about it and avert it. I believe that, that God is revealing something to me that we need to pray about. And I believe that we can take authority over it and we can stop it, we can hinder it. I believe that there's the kindling, you know, before a fire takes place, there's usually a kindling, uh, and then you have the, the fire. If you think about what's going on in our country today, in the media, news, different places, you see the kindling. Politicians talking about uh, grabbing arms and uh, ministers talking about it. Uh, there's the kindling of a war. I think Satan wants to start a race war in our country. I really believe that he wants to create a race war. I believe that, in fact, uh, someone sent me a, uh, a text of uh, recently, of just yesterday, about a minister t talking about a civil war, but he was actually saying that people should begin to arm themselves about a war, which was, and it, it was something like a militia, that we should create a militia uh, to protect ourselves and our community. This was a minister talking, and, and he was connecting God to it. I'm telling you, it's some crazy stuff going on. God does not want a race war. God is not instigating it. God does not want this infighting between races. It is not God's will. It is not God's plan. It is a demonic strategy of the enemy to divide our country. And I think it is critical. So I'm asking you, we're just about 50 days or, or less, 50-some days or less away from the election. The election has the potential to be very volatile. It has the potential to be uh, uh, just a lot of hostility. 
And I don't think God wants us to be sleep about this. We shouldn't be sleep about this. There's a lot of rhetoric that's going on that death and life are in the power of the tongue. We need to pray about this. I want you to spend some time. It could be five minutes every day up to the election and after God didn't give me a time frame. He just spoke about it. And I want you as a Christian, if you're a Christian in your prayer time, sometime it could be five minutes or 10 minutes in your prayer time. I want you to take authority over a race war. I want you to bind it. I want you to plead the blood of Jesus. I want you to take authority over every spirit. You say, spirits, any spirit assigned to divide our nation, I bind you. Any spirit designed to cause any kind of racial tension or race war, I bind you. I bind you principalities. I bind you powers. I bind you rulers of the darkness of this world. I bind you spiritual wickedness of other places. I take authority of every divisive spirit, every spirit of racism. I bind you in the name of Jesus, and I loose peace, and I loose harmony, and I loose the kingdom. I loose the will of God. I think it's important. If you pray in the spirit, if you pray in tongues, spend some time praying about that because the Bible says, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, the Bible says that we can pray about things and it says whatsoever we bind can be bound. Whatever we lose can be loose. So we have the authority. I don't believe that it's inevitable that we're going to have a race war. But I believe that if we're asleep and not understanding that there are people who are actually stirring it up, there are people who want it. There are people who want the races to, to fight. There are people who are preparing for it. So we have to be diligent and we have to be praying and we have to speak peace and buying war in the name of Jesus. And I believe that we can, we can take authority over something. I'm convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that this may be the most volatile, most contentious election that we've ever had. So it's so very important that we be praying, that we pray God's will, that we lose peace, that we speak peace, that we be at peace. We got to speak it. We got to declare it, but we have to be at peace. We have to have love in our hearts, and we have to speak love in our hearts, and we have to take authority over everything that is of hate. And as a Christian, we have to make sure that there is absolutely no hate in us, no hate in us, no prejudice in us in the name of Jesus. I felt led to share that with you. Uh, I uh, sent a, um, a, a, a note to our intercessors to begin to pray about it, and I believe that, um, that God's will will be done in the name of Jesus. And at any time, you can send me a note and let me know what you think about that. Uh, I appreciate the opportunity that you've afforded me to share with you today. And we, I think we got another lesson on better days ahead, and we'll finish it up in our next episode. I love you, and thank you for uh, this time.